Welcome to the Power of the Cross with Pastor Farrell Wilson from Grenada, Mississippi. 1 Kings chapter 10 and verse 7. Howbeit I believed not the words until I came, and my eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceedeth the fame which I heard. There was one time in Washington, D.C., a, a Bureau of Information, in what you would call it. I don't think it exists no more, but in the 1950s, the United States had a Bureau of Information. If you had hard questions, uh, things you didn't know the answer to, but we got to remember it wasn't Internet back then like we have now. They would submit, people could write in all over the nation, and they could submit questions to the Information Bureau and they had experts that would research these questions, and they, had, they would send out news articles. You may or may not know, most of you probably know, newspapers were very popular at that time, and it's hard to believe I'm getting that old now that newspapers are almost non-existent now, but they would publish the answers from this information bureau, and they'd go across the United States. Now, today we have the Internet, and I, you know the Internet is something that's really taken for granted and abused. Uh, it's a library of Congress many times over that we hold in our hands. There is so much information. Uh, much of the web is used for sinful purposes. I, not long ago, I read that over 80-something percent of Internet searches were for filthy images. I'll just leave it at that. But you, if you use the Internet for the right thing, you can find answers to almost virtually anything. We hold a little computer in our hands, and we just take it for granted for Facebook, Twitter, social media. But there's so many websites with useful information out there. But there's some answers that can't be, or some questions that cannot be answered by the Internet. There's some questions that can't be answered by an information bureau. And it's the questions of the heart and soul that no man can answer. You have hard questions today. I have hard questions. And there's only one place you can find the answer to these hard questions in life. And that place is in the person of Jesus Christ. He holds the true answer to all of these hard questions we have. And our opening text, I just read one little snippet of it, is it takes place in Jerusalem. And there was, there's two main characters of this story. You, you, it's just a short excerpt. Ex Sir, you ought to read it when you go home today in the beginning of First uh, Kings in chapter 10. But uh, there's two people that are the main characters in this story. One is the wise son of David, King David. And his, this was uh, King Solomon. And the other was a woman named Queen of Sheba. She was in a distant land, and she was beautiful. She was wealthy. She ruled over a great land. She controlled millions of people and lived in a great palace. But there were hard questions in her heart that all the wealth and power she had could not answer. The queen, she, she had heard, this is what you'll read in the first uh, few verses opening in, in chapter 10. She, she heard of how famous Solomon was. So she went to, the, to Jerusalem to test him with difficult questions. She had heard of his fame and fortune, and she, said, and she thought to herself that he must have answers to difficult questions. She took along several of her officials, and she loaded camels with gifts of spice, jewels, and gold. This amazed me. She carried four and a half tons of gold to Solomon. And when she arrived, she talked to him and asked him of everything she could think of. He answered every question, no matter how difficult it was. And the queen was absolutely amazed at Solomon's wisdom. 
And she was breathless when she saw the palace, when she saw the temple and the sacrifices going on. She was absolutely breathless. It, 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 it just boggled her mind, all that she's seen in Jerusalem, especially the Lord's temple. Now, we don't know all of the questions she asked, but we do know she said, the half was not told me. Most important out of anything she learned in this trip was she learned about Solomon's God. And that brought the answer to the difficult question she had. You know, let's make a journey today to our King Jesus and ask him some of life's hard questions that we have. You hear them all the time. One you're going to hear is what kind of being is God? Now, I know that we have a lot of, it, we're in a wicked generation, and there's just some people that do not believe in God. They don't have questions about God. I, I, to that, I would, I would say this before I get started. I don't know how anybody could sit on this little uh, rock we're hurtling through in the universe and the things we know through science and just not even come to the realization that we're at least created. I mean, this was just not by accident we're here. We're just, we're just a little ant on an anthill at best somewhere in the galaxy, and God controls everything. And it a very, we know who God is, but at a very minimum, I, you know, people should at least believe we're created and that there is a God. And people are going to ask, what kind of being is this God? Moses and other Bible greats, they told people about the greatness of God. The sweet psalmist David, he sang in songs about God and the greatness of God and his judgment, his love, his grace, his mercy. The prophets in the Old Testament preached about his judgment, his love uh, for the people. But the people still were not yet satisfied. Imagine if, if there was in some foreign land there lived a king who seemed to care greatly for you. He sent you many gifts. He wrote you letters. And one day, his, a friend tells you about this king. And then you read a book about him. And by this time, it would only be natural for you to ask, I want to see the king. So we don't blame people of the Old Testament when they ask questions like, we want to see this God. We want to know this God. And Jesus answered the question in person, though. When he arrived to this earth, he said, If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So all we have to do in, to know this God is to know Jesus Christ. And we know the God in heaven. And we now have access to Jesus Christ, unlike during the times of temple. In the times of the temple and the Old Testament times when God dwelled in between the cherubims on the mercy seat, on the, alt, on the, uh, the, the Ark of the Covenant that was behind the veil, people still couldn't see God. They seen the priest. The, they could not go inside and personally have an experience with God. And every time you see somebody snatched out of this world, I'll use myself. Every time you see somebody like me taking out of this, this world system, away from drugs and away from alcohol, saved by the blood of the Lamb, you have to know it is the handiwork of Jesus Christ. There's not a psychologist in the world that could have worked on me. They had had their hands full in the first place. But there's no way they could have changed me. When you see somebody, if you ever, you ever notice most preachers have a testimony, 
Have you ever noticed most people that stand behind the pulpit or God gives them a platform to speak from? They have usually come out of some of the most horrendous situations. That's because you see this king living inside of them. No one else could do this work. And the words of uh, Christ ring true to you today. Come all to to me that are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. This world is hustling and bustling and they're searching after things of this world that will only last a short period of time. But Solomon was a wise man, but there's a greater Solomon today and his name is Jesus Christ. There's something he left us. We can't, we've got to. Billy Graham's daughter said it very well. We treat the Holy Spirit as, as someone that's just maybe an afterthought or he's maybe um, just some force or entity. But she said it is the third time that God was revealed to us. The agency of the Holy Spirit, that piece of you, that divine nature that God left inside of you, the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, that is evidence that he's still alive. You don't have to load up your caravan and go to Jerusalem today. You, I want you here at church. You should be part of church. Uh, I, I don't buy into the lie that you can stay at home, but th- that's not what I'm here to preach about. You don't even have to be at church to see this Jesus Christ. You can be by yourself out there in, in the fields working your garden. You can be going down the road. You can be here this morning, and st- you can see this King Jesus Christ live in you. The Holy Spirit, we, we've got to quit making it like it's just some kind of little after thought and just a little bit of talk about it we should be empowered with god's spirit amen brother wilson we're a pentecostal church last time i checked first time i got here i ran out the door on him and went outside shut the door and come back in said yep we're a pentecostal church that's what it says on the sign church of god preach on brother wilson we have the gifts of the Spirit available to us. I want, you know, everybody's looking for a reason why people are not coming to church anymore. And there's a lot of reasons that, we, we, that are their own fault. You're responsible for your own salvation, your own walk with God. But I wonder sometimes if it, they're not seeing the power of God displayed anymore in the churches. Amen. Preach about us a little while, Brother Wilson. I, you know, people will come to where the Spirit of God is, and you won't have to run a Facebook ad. Where the Spirit of God is, people are going to naturally come. Sure, we go through seasons and times in the church, but you start seeing people healed. You start seeing people brought back from the dead, people baptized in the Holy Spirit when there's tongues and there's prophecy, when there's words of wisdom given. You're going to see people come. It's only a natural reaction where God's Spirit is. The people will be there to receive it. It dwells in you. God left you here on this earth for that very reason. So people could see Jesus Christ. Second question is, what shall I do about my sin? Every woman and man will face this question at some time on this earth. Now, I know there's going to be exceptions to any rule, uh, in, in our world anyway, there's going to be children that die in innocence that will never have to face the sin question. God understands every situation. There's going to be people that are not mentally capable of understanding what sin is. Grown men and women that cannot function without help. But for the average person, men and women, 
We're all going to face this question. What shall I do about my sins? Here's the answer the world gives. Now, you've got to understand, this is a thorn that pricks deeply into your soul. As a Christian, when you talk about sin, it should prick down deep within your soul. The world has their answers for sin. Here they are. Some people just deny it. They say it's a natural human error, something we're not responsible for. Many are now just bold and brash. You know, you know, let me talk to the old people here like me. I'm talking to me. When I grew up, there were some sins, let's say, of a lady that had a child out of wedlock. It was embarrassing. They would, have to, they would literally get up and leave the community be embarrassed because of their sin i'm not saying they would run out with pitchforks and run people out of town but it was sins were embarrassing homosexuality and lesbianism was behind closed doors and it was very embarrassing if it was exposed but now it is what it is now they they have actually wrote a gay and lesbian bible good news for the lesbian and gays they actually got one Bible called the Queen's Version of the Bible that accepts sin, and they're trying to mutate it in. And there's just people that say, you know, it is what it is. This is who I am. I can't account for others and what they're going to do, but I can look in my own heart and say this, God, I have sinned. God, I have sinned. That's how we deal with sin we don't deny it you can't account for other people you can't drag people through the mud you can't bring them out and expose their sins that's not our job on a personal level now i can talk about things that i see but as far as a personal level i could hey pharaoh wilson you got an attitude problem we shouldn't try to judge that for him we leave that with god but in your own heart you when you look in the mirror you can't deny sin Thank you for listening to The Power of the Cross. We pray this message is a blessing to you. You can access our sermons at GrenadaChurch.com. We also ask you for your financial support in helping us reach the world with the gospel. You can donate to our ministry by secure means at GrenadaChurch.com and click Donate. Now, back to the message. Some people try to cover up sin. The idea could not be better told than when the children of Israel were coming into the promised land. God gave them a great victory at the walls of Jericho. They come tumbling down. Y'all know the story from childhood. The children of Israel, in a very supernatural act, marched around the the town. And and then on the the seventh time, they they blew the trumpets. The walls fall. God gave them a great victory. And he told them, though, do not take any of the gold and silver from this town. I'll give you all that you need. It wasn't a point about the money with God. He was wanting them to complete this journey by supernatural means and not storing up stuff for themselves. And he said, don't do it. And then they go to the second town of Ai. And at Ai, a little bitty town, wasn't nothing compared to Jericho, just a little bitty town, maybe like Hulk of Mississippi. They come up to Hawkeye and they get their pants beat. I mean, beat slap off of them. Excuse my vernacular. I'm just a little hillbilly sometimes. Or they were mightily defeated in battle. Would that be better? They lose greatly at Ai, and they didn't know why. 
And then come to find out there was one man in the crowd that had disobeyed God, Achan. In, in Jericho, Achan had taken gold and, and things and hid it. And then at Ai, it's discovered. He saw it, he coveted it, he took it, and he hid it. He deliberately sinned, and he tried to cover it up and hide it. You cannot hide your sins before God. Learn this truth that Achan learned the hard way because him and his family all lost their life to this. When you try to hide sin before God, you can rest assured if you try... Let me say those again. That, that's, that's meat right there. He saw it. He coveted it. He took it, and he hid it. If you're taking notes today, you ought to write that down. I'll give my notes later if you want. Boy, that's good. I could preach on that right there all day. One more time, I'm going to say it. He saw it. He coveted it. He wanted it. He took it and he hid it. You know, it's one thing for a child of God to have a sin they're awfully ashamed of and they're dealing with behind closed doors. And I don't know that there's a person alive that's following after Christ that probably doesn't have that story that we all have something we're dealing with and we're not proud of it. And, you know, God's taken away a lot of the great things that we were doing out in the world could see. And there's just still some things about boy Brother Wilson when he gets on his couch and he's in his jogging pants and his T-shirt, you know, that just some of that old self is still left in there. I love what Brother Lauren Larson said. The real Christian is the one sitting in there in your jogging pants and that recliner in your living room. That's the real Christian. Amen. But it's another. It's a completely another when you see it and you covet it and you take it and you try to hide it from God. When you do, rest assured one day it'll be brought out in the open and probably under the worst of circumstances. Some people blame sin on someone else. Since the beginning of time, this has happened. What happened with Adam right off the top? It was a woman. She did it. I could just see him in the garden as soon as God told you. Who told you that were you, naked? you were naked? She did. And then she goes, it was the snake. Passing the buck. Passing the buck, blaming other people for what's wrong in your life is one of the most sad excuses. I'm going to can I just be honest with you, something, a pet peeve of mine? And I've been guilty of it, and I've had to stand back and look at myself, and I've had to correct some behaviors. If I arrive, no, but I know, especially since I've been in ministry, I've had to correct a lot of this behavior. It's to quit blaming other people for what's went wrong. You know, when you're in ministry, you see a million and one things go wrong all the time. Here's where the Holy Spirit grows you. Even though it wasn't my fault, even though I didn't do it, I'm not going to blame somebody else for it. Because as a pastor, I know one thing. If something goes wrong, he, that excuse don't fly well. Brenda did it. No, you're still the pastor. You have to accept responsibility for what went on. And sometimes you just got to, in the back of your mind, I'll get with Brenda later. And just say, you know what? I, I'll accept responsibility for it and I'll move. We'll, we'll correct this. When you blame other people like Adam and Eve and you pass the buck along and you start blaming people for your other sins, I'll tell you what will happen to you. Sooner or later, you'll end up leaving the church because you'll get a cold heart. You'll start hating people. And it's just fulfilling last-day prophecy that me and Glenn are, are going to be talking about that the love of many would wax cold in these last days. 
Don't try to cover it or pass the sin down. Uh, talk to a prisoner when you go to uh, parchment. Every one of them, well, you know, I, it just wasn't me. I didn't do it. That wasn't me. I remember one fellow in the, in the prison. I'll never forget him. A super nice guy. He's involved in ministry to this day. He is an inmate religious assistant. He's very faithful at the work. He knows he's not getting out. Just a, a fabulous guy. But, I mean, he'd do anything in the world for you, I believe. But he, got, he told me he got under the influence of drugs and alcohol, and he took a hammer and beat his girlfriend to death. And now he's serving a life sentence, no parole. But his mother tried to help him hide it. And you, ladies, your children sometimes can be guilty. We'll say, oh, it was in the wrong company. It's their fault. No, it's your own fault when you engage in sin. You can't pass the buck. Jesus don't, doesn't, doesn't tell you to deny your sin. He doesn't tell you to cover it up. He doesn't tell you to blame it on someone else. He says this, repent, confess, and forsake. That's how we deal with sin. One more time, repent, confess it. I don't mean go to another person. I mean just before the Lord. Lord, I'm sorry for what I've done. Help me, God, when these times of temptation come for this sin that does so easily beset me. Help me, God, to give me power by the Holy Spirit to deal with this and forsake it. Yes, we may have sinned, but where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. Don't take grace lightly. Grace is very, very powerful. It is very powerful. It can reach down to the lowest of places. And I, I don't know if it's still there, but I, when I went through boot camp, I was in Fort Knox, Kentucky. And I got to go over there, and I, I, I got to lay my eyes on Fort Knox where they keep the gold. It ain't what you think it is. It's all of it's underground. I never got, of course, I didn't get to go underground. But it's a building probably about the size of this church, brick, nothing fancy. And it's surrounded by a fence. And you can see, as you, if you look in the front of it, there's a... Looks like a shaft that goes straight down. That's where they house all the gold for the United States. They did it one time. I don't know if they still do. But it's very secure. But do you know that gold is not as safe as your soul today with Jesus Christ? That's how powerful his grace and mercy is. Another question, what is the purpose of life? <laughs> I think we've all asked us, Why, what am I here for? Why am I here at church? Why am I doing this Christian walk? Why do I get up and go to work? Why do I have a family? Where, why do I live where I am? What is the purpose behind all this? And that may seem like an impossible question to ask, and it's a perplexing question. And taking some time to reflect where you are in this immense galaxy, it, it, it can get a little confusing. What, what am I here for? Those that think about the success in this world and that that's all that's on their mind, what can I achieve in the world and let the world applaud me, there's no real reason for life. Just one round of uselessness after another, that's all life has become to them when you look to the world. If you find the will of God and do it, you find real joy. This past week, our world, the, the world at large, and the world system was shook by Kobe Bryant's death. I don't know where he was with the Lord. I have no idea. But it just proves, once again, all the greatest gifts of this world can't prevent you from standing before the Master. 
everybody will stand there. All that success and helicopters and all these things that he had. And he thought, it was a young man, younger than many of us in here. He thought he had all the time in the world. But do you know now, after that tragic accident that happened, again, I don't know where he stands with the Lord. I have no idea. I could take a guess, but that's just simply an opinion. But do you know that day he stood before Christ? He had to stand before him. Huh. The greatest souls... Well, I'll tell you what Kobe was. Don't take this the wrong way. Because, again, I don't know the man, and you may like basketball, and I'm not here to throttle against that. But to me, he was a taker. He had all the nice things here in life. He took the money. He took the fame. He took the fortune. I, he may have helped people out. I don't know. He may have gave to the crippled children's home. I have no idea. But you give it another week or two, and Kobe Bryant's name will fade. It will. it will. It will fade. Nobody, another year from now, I don't mean, again, I don't mean this with any disrespect because there was, there was families on there besides him that lost their life. Very tragic. But another year from now, it may be Kobe who? That's a taker. Again, I'm not speaking disparagingly. It's just that's a taker in life. That's somebody who looked for the riches of the world. But I'm going to show you an example of a giver. There was, a, I know of a little lady, a teenage girl, that got pregnant out of wedlock. She believed God for the impossible. And the whole, everybody around her was accusing her, and I'm sure they called her an adulteress or a fornicator. Here you are about ready to get married, and you've got a child here. And even her own husband had doubts until God intervened. It got so bad they wanted to kill her and her child and she had to get out of Israel. And she took a journey as a young teenage girl into a foreign land to escape judgment. She didn't have no wealth. She had no fame. But she gave us the greatest gift ever known to mankind. She was a giver back to this world. Her name was Mary. Mary gave her life and dedicated to God. And here's the reward. I promise you this. She had, she's not my Savior. She needs a Savior just like I do. But her name will be remembered forever in heaven. Is the giver of the greatest gift the world has ever known. I'm talking about her today. 2,000 years later, her name will never fade in history. Have you ever noticed that about the people in the Bible? If it was up to the devil and the people of this world, those names would have been pushed into a forgotten place. But they can't. We still talk about the greats, the people that gave. They never had the riches of this world. John the Beloved, the great apostle Paul, they weren't millionaires. They weren't in, in mansions somewhere. They were most of the time in prison. They were taking lashes and having to avoid being captured and killed till their race was finished. They were givers. That is the purpose of life. That, my friends, is the purpose. Not to be a taker, but to be a giver. So the next time I ask you, I wonder what life is about. Our life is not just our money, but our whole life to give to those around us. It may not be just in the gospel, but I can tell you this, the greatest gift you'll ever give anybody 
is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So here, the next time you think you think about when you we may and I know it happens to me. We just throw a check or money in and say, Well, I gave I, I did what God told me to do. But think about what it's doing and the impact it's having and where it's going. I can't I can't answer for other churches, but I can't answer for this little church. We it to if it's not but one or two souls or a month or week or whatever, we're gonna touch somebody with the gospel. The devil would love to convince you, well, you're just here with a handful of people and you're not doing nothing. That's hogwash. We're getting something done, and every time you give, not only in your finances, but times. Matthew was telling me, we was walking around the building getting lights installed a few weeks back, and, well, you ready to get in this, Dad? And I said, I, of course I am. I'm ready to get in. They've been ready. But, you know, I have to look at this, too. And I looked around. I said, we've got a house and a property and these things. And we're working on this sanctuary. What if it wasn't even about me? What if God's got some little pastor in mind that I don't even know about? Some little young man in this family that's going to come in behind me. Glory to God. Maybe run one of the greatest ministries ever known to man. And I'm just old crippled up man sitting in the back watching him go. You don't ever know how you're going to... I want to be a giver, not a taker. What about my future life? He's got to be... And I'll wrap this on up. This has got to be the greatest question. What is going to happen to me in the future? Brother Glenn talked very well on this morning about the rapture of the church. So when I ask, it's our blessed hope. The rapture is our blessed hope is what the Bible says. There's three different times in the New Testament that tells us the rapture is our blessed hope. So therefore, that tells me my future life and where I'm headed. I'm concerned about the... I've got a a child here, one still left at home. I hope he can stay another year with us. I've got two grandchildren. I've got one that ain't even a year old. He ain't even six. Is he six months old now? Nine months? Time flying by got another one three years old and somebody gave us a little uh thing with a sleeping bag on it and we had him in the living room the other night and he was playing i'm like wow just time's just flying by and i i want the future to be great for them but that's not the future i'm talking about the future i'm talking about what about my future brother wilson the future i'm talking about is the one you have with jesus christ when we stand at the marriage supper of the Lamb, Brother Randy, and we get those crowns of victory, we get the crowns of righteousness, we get all these rewards, and our, our works are judged there for wood, stubble, or hay, or fine jewels, or refined gold, or like a diamond. Those are the things. That's my life ahead. And then one day I know I'll take all those rewards, and the Bible says we're going to cast them at his feet. Hallelujah. What a sight in heaven it'll be. My future life looks great, my friends. My future is hopeful. I've got a life with him ahead. Are you looking at those hard questions today? Do you know him? Do you love him? Here's most important for the people here today and listening. Do you serve him? That will answer the hard questions you have in life. Would you stand with me? Thank you for joining us here on The Power of the Cross. 
visit us on the web at www.grenadachurch.com, on Facebook at Lighthouse COG, or on Twitter at Grenada Church. For questions, comments, or more information, email us at info at grenadachurch.com. Thank you, God bless you, and may you have a great week.